I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Having the Olympics to compete with at night, we've been on a slow go. Speaking of the Olympics, we talked a little bit about Daniel chapter 3 or 2 and the dream of Nebuchadnezzar's statue and how it was interesting that the head, which is at the top, so like first place, was gold, and then the second, which was the chest, was silver which would be like second place medal. And the, then the belly and thighs were bronze. That's right. So kind of interesting, right? And if you get fourth in the Olympics, you probably feel like <laughs> iron mixed with clay. Because, uh, <laughs> like, which one is iron mixed with clay? That's fourth place because that's about how you feel because you were the first winner not to medal. <laughs> I'm still, I'm sure that taking fourth in the Olympics still feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like for the 17-year-old today. That was really cool. That's right, in the 200-meter dash. (laughs) That's a tough thing for a 17-year-old to be that fast at. That's pretty cool. Brock, what's your favorite event in the Olympics? Hmm. Or sport? Either beach volleyball or track and field. It's nice because the Americans are good at beach volleyball. (laughs) And the Americans are good at track and field. So that makes it fun for us, obviously, being American and rooting for the Americans. I can't disagree with you on either of those. I would choose track over beach volleyball, but that's probably just because... What about you, Trey? Gymnastics. I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. I really like gymnastics, too. I didn't like it. Well, I've always liked it, but I wasn't as into it until you started competing in gymnastics. Now it's really fun to watch because I can watch... And I really can quickly notice the difference between something good and something not good. And when I used to watch when I was younger, in previous Olympics, I had never watched it before and actually been able to kind of count deductions and know what difficulty level we were talking about and all those things, you know. So So just to recap, we are on Daniel chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar just handed over his reign as king... In chapter, at the end of chapter 4, where his sanity was restored. Now we're a couple kings down the road, and we're on King Belshazzar, not to be mixed with Belteshazzar, who is... Daniel. That's right. You guys were both ready for that one. So this is King Belshazzar, who would have been some type of grandson to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Fair? Yeah. 
Okay. So we will continue on here in verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, they say his father, but what they mean is his father ancestor, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So basically what he's doing is he's taking things that were sacred in the temple of the Lord that was taken over by the Babylonians when they took over Jerusalem, right? They took all the stuff out of the temple that was worth something. So they've got these temple cups that are gold and silver, and they're sacred, they're considered sacred to the Hebrew people, right? And basically... What Belshazzar is doing is saying, you know what, we're going to take those cups that are sacred to these people and we're going to fill them with alcohol and we're going to get drunk using these. We're going to show them that they're sacred, the things that are sacred to their God are just plain to us. We'll, we'll get drunk and take shots of alcohol out of their, out of their sacred cups. See how this is really spitting in the face of their religion mm-hmm. like this is really spirit you know there's t- there's several religions on this earth right we only believe in one of them and that is called Christianity that is Christianity which is that anybody can receive the free <laughs> gift of salvation by accepting Jesus Christ as their savior and coming to the Lord and it's really that simple that we believe who G- Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be We don't profess him as a great teacher. We profess him as the son of God. And that it was only him who was capable of forgiving sin. There is no righteousness that we can earn. There's nothing righteous that we can do to be acceptable in God's eyes. It has to come from Jesus Christ. He's the only sacrifice that is acceptable before our Lord. And that's really simple. Um, You know, other religions don't believe that, right? Well, does that mean that we should take their sacred things you know like let's say they have a let's say another religion might have a prayer mat you got to think in their heart they they want a relationship with the father just like we do we both want a relationship with the father right usually the difference is is they don't recognize the path to the father through jesus christ we recognize the path to the father through jesus christ jesus christ said none come to the father except through me So we don't necessarily think that they have an opportunity to have a relationship with the Father in their prayer language the way we do. And in a way, you could say, well, then their prayer mat is just an idol. It's just a thing, right? Does that mean we should take their prayer mat and, like, stomp on it with muddy boots? No. Absolutely not. Right? That would just be rude. That's not going to win anybody over to Christ. If you did that, that would purely be showing hate, hatred out of your heart right? That's not how we love one another. That's not how we pray for one another. And this is basically what King Belshazzar is doing, is he is making a mockery to God's people. Does that make sense? And to their sacred temple uh, items. 
And in verse 3 it continues, So they brought in the gold goblets that they had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So not only did they drink from these, not only did they desecrate these temple items, but then they gave thanks to foreign gods who don't actually exist. In effect, it's almost like they were praising the devil, right? It's almost like they were praising the devil. This is Old Testament. Actually, it wouldn't matter if it was old or new. How do you think God feels about that? Feels sad. Upset. Yeah, sad, upset. And we know that one, we know God is love. And we know that God is justice, right? And we know that ju- God's justice is... I think right now it's going to happen justice. It's, it's wrath. It's real wrath. In verse 5, suddenly... This is kind of creepy. Picture this. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. Duh. (laughs) I'd be so confused. I'd be like, what's going on? Our faces would turn pale. Could you imagine if a finger started showing up and writing on that wall? (laughs) I mean, you're laughing, but it wouldn't be funny. It would scare me. Even if I knew it was God, it if I, even knowing my true, my loving father, this is where we talk about the fear of the Lord. Even though I know who the father is and I know he loves me and I know that he sent Jesus to die for me and that I'm, I'm acceptable through him, the righteousness of God in Christ. Still, if he came and I knew it was him and his hands started writing on that wall, my face would, I would go straight to the ground. I would hide my face to the ground in a bowing position and just prostrate myself before the Lord. Does that make sense? That'd be the only thing I could think to do was just just to hide. Not not like hide like I'm I think he's going to hurt me, but just hide because that is a serious amount of power and holiness and things that it's hard for us to even comprehend. It's hard for me to comprehend. Now, if you could sit here and watch it and totally just have a normal resting heart rate, good for you. Okay? You've got but I couldn't. It would I think all of us would be really, really scared. Yeah, be hiding behind the bed. I think it, I think it would be scary. And again, the Lord doesn't mean to harm us, but also it's hard for us to really comprehend the power of his presence. I think that's what would be scary to me is just the power of that presence before you. And I think I've, in ways, I mean, I know we've been in his presence before and I know the spirits came upon us, but I don't know if it would be to this degree. I've never seen this happen for sure. So in verse six, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. So yeah, he fell to the ground. I mean, and I think that's what I would do too, is I would fall to the ground. It says, the king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Do David and said, he doesn't want the truth, I guess. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, just like King Nebuchadnezzar. Instead of bringing out those people, bring out Daniel if you want the truth, right? He's afraid of the truth. 
and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. I would be like, I don't want your gold chain and I don't want your place in your kingdom. I saw where honoring gold just got you. It got you a hand of what is clearly God on the wall. I don't want any part of that. It says, Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Obviously, Belshazzar didn't care about Daniel, because the queen is having to tell him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. You know, sometimes when we have a talent or an ability and the Lord has given us, and we feel like it's not being put to use in our current season, or like we deserve more than we're being given at work or at school, or on a team, maybe we feel like we're a better player than we are, just stay patient. Your time will come. The Lord gifted you with your unique talents for a purpose. Wait for him to provide you the place where he wants you to use those talents. Don't be in a hurry to go off. Don't get mad when you feel like, well, why is he bringing in the astrologers and the magicians? I'm their boss. I've, I've figured out a lot of things these guys didn't. Daniel had every right to be pompous and conceited and insert himself into probably a ton of situations in Belshazzar's world, but he didn't. He didn't. He just waited to be called on, right? Well, eventually he's called on. So we'll call it there. What do you think, Brock, if you had to guess, what do you think that the lore wrote on the wall? Like, kind of like a curse. A curse? That's a good... Or wrath. Yeah, maybe a, a curse of wrath. Like a curse detailing his wrath. Okay, what about you, Trey? Fix your ways or something like that. Like, turn your heart to the Lord or this wrath or something will happen. Kind of like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. Said, here's your ultimatum. Change what you're doing right now or face my wrath. I think both those are good answers. I think both of them are totally legitimate. They're really, really good answers. Does King Belshazzar deserve a chance to repent? Yes. I mean, he kind of does. I'm going to say no. No. The Lord... That's a gift. Do you understand that? When the Lord gives you a second chance, that's a gift. Right? You don't... You don't have a second chance by default. Right? If you go to school and you yell something of poor language at your teacher 
It's not like the first time the teacher tells you like, you're not in trouble that time. You need to repent and stop doing this and not yell at me in obscenity again or else then I'm going to get really mad. You don't just, if a teacher does that for you, that's just like a gift. Do you understand that? You don't deserve a second chance. So do you see how Belshazzar, he doesn't deserve a second chance. If the Lord decides to give him a second chance, do you understand how that's a gift? Does the Lord get to determine when he wants to give out gifts and when he doesn't? Yes. Absolutely. That's his discretion. If he gave Nebuchadnezzar the gift of a second chance, but didn't doesn't give Belshazzar the gift of a second chance in this case, we have no right to judge God for that. We have no right to make a conclusion that he's unpredictable or that he doesn't, he's not equal in his treatment of people. It's not for us to decide. The Lord gives when he gives and he takes when he takes. And that's really not for us to judge. Does that make sense? Uh, so I don't know what he's going to do, but I think whatever he gets is going to be what God intends to do or say or enforce. Does that make sense? This is fun. I can't wait to read with you guys tomorrow what it is, and I appreciate your I appreciate doing this with you tonight. I love you boys. Love you too. You guys are good kids. <laughs>